0: Please be seated. I was uh, listening to the birds sing uh, last couple of weeks, and particularly uh, some beautiful ones. The mockingbirds, I think, are, are the ones making the songs that I have heard, and I'm sure you've heard them too. They sing so much louder uh, during the season of springtime. I was uh, mindful of uh, a thought that came to a naturalist by the name of Annie Dillard. I don't know if some of you may have heard of Annie Dillard. But she has an incredible capacity not only uh, to see what's in front of her eyes but to make connections with what she sees and something behind what she sees uh, coming at her. Uh, And so she helps us to understand uh, something special within that which we see. Uh, She talks about seeing a mockingbird, and those are birds that sing at the very top of the highest place. They can finally go through quite a ritual uh, as they make their voices known, and they're very loud. Uh, But she was watching a mockingbird. uh, and It it dropped from the very highest peak around where she was watching, and she carefully watched it. It looked like it was going to crash and die uh, from its loft, just a straight down dive. But at the very last minute, its wings unfurled and the bird came to a soft and gentle landing. And she saw in that moment something behind the bird's ability to do that that spoke to her of grace and the gifts that God has given to us that we don't always recognize. Born with a special capacity, we are to overcome obstacles and discover God's purpose for us. Not always known, but we're born with a special capacity uh, if we would only have eyes that see. Well, there are special moments in our life, uh, I've talked about before, that when connected, uh, we see a design of God's gift for us and God's purposes for us. This text that we have today, the pericope where Jesus is talking to his disciples, has occurred again before uh, his crucifixion. And so he's talking to them about what is coming next. And this text is called the Farewell Discourse. And he begins with this, this warning, don't let your hearts be troubled. Now, what's the first thing when somebody says, don't worry? you start worrying. And so if, if we were gathered together with Jesus and He's saying to us, don't let your hearts be troubled, why should they be troubled? It's, uh, uh, we're programmed, I think, to anticipate negative news. And you expect it, and sort of unfortunately, because sometimes out of what appears to be negative news, healing ultimately comes. The dentist's office calls me the night before my appointment to remind me I have an appointment in the morning. You know, I might have forgotten but there's a sense of dread. Even though you know the dentist is going to do good work, You're just not too fond of going to the dentist. And they were, are kind of primed for negative news. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Why not? I hear the doctor's message to you. and I don't want to worry you, but... Do you hear anything else after you hear those words? No, we, we shut down. Negative thoughts are so easy to take power in our lives. Or the taxman says i got good news for what we can do next year. What's that message for us? Got bad news for this year coming at you. So we're programmed to anticipate negative news when we hear certain things like, don't let your hearts be troubled and neither let them be afraid. And these are the thoughts that Jesus is bringing to His disciples just before He faces the cross. What does it mean? What are those messages that we receive in retrospect that we now see differently. In the midst of our journeys, God has revealed certain messages of help, of encouragement, of faith, of assurance when things are going wrong, when there are obstacles that we uh, anticipate facing. There's also the assurance that comes in trusting Him that we have within us the capacity to overcome those obstacles. John Wesley had a concept called prevenient grace. And that means that God's love goes before us. No matter where we go, God is always there prior to our arrival time. So his concept of prevenient grace fits this pericope of this morning, often called the farewell discourse, and often used at funeral times because it gives us a message of hope and assurance, even in the midst of uncertainty, as Jesus tells them, he's going to be leaving them. And he's going to prepare a place for them that where he is, they may be also. And then he says, and you know the way. Of course, the disciples never were the sharpest bunch, were they? So we don't know the way. How can we, Thomas expresses it, how can we know the way? And then Jesus gives the direction, I'm the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father, but by me. If you would have known my Father, you would have known known me, you would have known my Father also. Henceforth you have seen him and know him. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I was thinking about realizing the truth of that kind of a statement of faith and hope after the fact. If we return in retrospect, to what Jesus said before His crucifixion, we begin to understand in retrospect the connection with the words He expressed and the hope that is born, the assurance that is born. Out of the tragedies of the present time can come a greater hope. In retrospect, when we go back to moments of uncertainty and encounter, in retrospect, we understand God's words more clearly. So we we see and hear Jesus saying, "Be not afraid. I go before you always." What does it mean? The disciples didn't get it then, but in retrospect, uh, they come to have more meaning and more assurance. Uh, there are moments where faith is birthed. You know, as reading and preparing for the uh, the sermon. And it was an interesting perspective of one of the authors who said, in this particular pericope, it's as though you need a midwife and a hospice chaplain coming together to understand what's going on. Because what's occurring is the end of a way of thinking and a whole new interpretation, a if you will, a new birth of what it means to the disciples. So they're having to let go of the old and embrace the new. There comes an assurance in retrospect of what Jesus said and who Jesus is to them, in retrospect, going back to that moment where He spoke those words, and in those words we say that hear Him say that He is the way, He is the, if you will, the moral compass for going forward for the disciples, where they have to claim that He is then uh, their their leader still, even though. At that moment, they didn't understand. So we need a retrospective perspective of what occurred that particular moment in time where Jesus said, don't let your heart be troubled and don't let them be afraid. And finally, uh, realize moments when we discover God's Spirit is one of empowerment uh, that encourages us to, to take a chance and to, to risk what future God promises. I was uh, remembering worlds in retrospect on Mother's Day, I was um, mindful as I remember my mother. I was raised by um, my mom. My father died when I was five, so she had, as a single parent, same kinds of responsibilities that single parents have today. Tough job, and much tougher in the 50s than than today, I would suspect. But I remember the day well when she took me to kindergarten. And uh, because my father died, I suppose I had abandonment issues to begin with. But I remember the moment well, in retrospect, where the door shut and I was in in a foreign place. I don't know if any of you had the same reaction I did. But in retrospect, I realized she was encouraging me to take those next steps that I have any child at five has to take. And what I did was I cried. This is the first time I was left. I don't know how many times kids cry, probably not as often as, as I suspect, but I was alone and abandoned and felt uh, her absence. But in retrospect, as I turned around and I faced all the kids, they were wondering what was wrong with me. And by noontime, I think, I was over being left alone. But there are those moments in retrospect where you feel abandoned. And you can imagine how the disciples were feeling as they heard Jesus say, I'm leaving you. I'm not going to be here. Uh, they are going to be abandoned. What does it mean? But in retrospect, uh, they come to realize that it's the way that they are going to be empowered to use what God has given them. So in this moment, we realize that Jesus is actually setting them free and giving them a purpose to fulfill. He will be with them, not in bodily form anymore, but in His Spirit as they go forward. So, in, in the moment of crisis, there's also a moment of rebirth. Crisis is a symbol of both loss and opportunity. There is assurance in trusting Jesus' words that comes after the fact, and retrospect. Look back and try to remember what he said um, just before he was crucified, that, that nothing will ever separate, it. even death itself, will not separate us from the love of God that goes before us. So this is a a love that is eternal. And he says, I go before you. Be not afraid. I go before you always. Assurance uh, comes out in retrospect of thinking about God behind the moments we feel lost or abandoned. Where is it? We're learning lessons. Lessons our mothers have taught us. I was thinking about uh, moments where we discover our moral uh, compass. May, maybe some of you uh, remember that famous philosopher. Uh, what was his first name? Wilfred Brumley. Remember anybody? Remember him? There is a nod. There's one person that remembers Wilfred. He's the guy on the cereal, the oatmeal uh, cereal, says, "Remember to eat your oats." it's the right thing to do you think about what Jesus is is teaching us about uh, our life and where we're going to go in terms of in terms of our future when the future seems uncertain or you're at a crossroads and every moment uh, a preacher gets up to preach there's somebody in the congregation facing a crossroads doing the right thing I was uh, thinking about, again, a Mother's Day and all those moments. I was going to an entrance exam at the University of Minnesota, and they asked you to to think about the person who is most influential in your life. And I was embarrassed to think, well, if I really took that seriously, it was my mother. So, of course, I wrote about mother, and later on I found out that the far greater number of students going into uh, the college, university in this case, wrote about the influence of their mothers on their lives. I was surprised to think about that, the the moral compass that we've been given to our mothers particularly. It takes courage for us to get out of the ruts. I was uh, thinking about gathering together. Every Sunday morning, we gather together to worship because it's the right thing to do. I regularly meet with a group of men on Monday mornings at 8 o'clock, and we go through a ritual, because we're committed to the ritual, uh, that focuses on how we were faithful in our walk with Jesus uh, during the previous week. So every week, going through the ritual, what's our spiritual discipline like? Jesus becomes the way. And during our discussion, We focus on what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Where is it you experienced Christ this week? I hope you would reflect on that weekly. Doing the right thing means having a sense of study, a sense of commitment, a sense of moral purpose. Or, where did you fail in your walk with Christ this last week? Tough questions. Where do we hold each other accountable spiritually? Uh, the moral compass requires us sometimes to change directions and begins usually with our confessing our own need to get out of the ruts. Martin Luther said, "God is that upon which we hang our hearts. God is that upon which we hang our hearts, not our hat. God is that upon which we hang our hearts." Moral compass. What is our moral compass like? When we get lost, how do we find our way? How do we know the way, Lord? Jesus said what? I am the way, the truth, and the life. In the cuckabany of all these marches that we have lately, we've seen there's so many different signs. Many of them are, maybe all of them are true in some degree uh, as the protests against issues confront us. But there's so many different signs. What voices really capture our allegiance? I am the way, the truth, and the life. What are we doing as God's people to do the right thing and the way we live and move and have our being? And a realized moment sets us free uh, to, to be empowered. I was thinking about the song Eagle's Wings, and God will raise you up on Eagle's Wings. There's a couple images that Uh, frequently are used in the scriptures. Jesus talks about Jerusalem and how the prophets had been sent to Jerusalem. He said, would it were I could gather you under my wings like a mother hen uh, protects her chicks. True story out of the Midwest. I don't remember where it came from exactly, except the Midwest. A farmer who raised chickens uh, had an unfortunate experience. The hen house burned down. And he was out cleaning up the mess, if you will. And he found one of the hens was there uh, and had its wings uh, unfurled, dead, of course, but found to his surprise that underneath the wings were chicks uh, that survived the fire because of the mother uh, hen's wings. So Jesus himself uses that image of God's love being like a mother hen's wings. Uh, that protect her young. Would it were, he would say to the people of Jerusalem, that you could understand God's love and not reject it. There's another image, though, that's even more significant, it seems to me, of the the mother uh, bird, and in this case, the eagle, the mother eagle. You know, it's interesting. When it comes time for the eaglets to get out of the nest, she has to nudge them. to get out of the nest because she knows it's time. She has to nudge them out of the nest to take on uh, flight. And they're dropped and ultimately caught and dropped again. And she catches them on her wings. And ultimately, they use the wings with which they were born. Now, God's purpose and mother eagles are are certainly used as an image of how God wants us to use uh, what we've been given and sometimes deny. So the disciples were gathered in a moment of decision where they found that they could trust this Jesus and his words, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me gave them a sense of assurance. It is referred to as a coming to Jesus moment still as people rediscover their way and their moral compass in choosing to follow him. A moment to decide where we're going with our future and where we're going to hang our heart. Let's pray together. Loving God, we thank You for those moments in which we had to put our trust into action, where we heard Your words, Be not afraid, that You go before us always into a future that seems sometimes uncertain and filled with stumbling blocks. Yet You are the same Lord, who calls us by name to go into the future. So we pray, and we pray especially for those that are facing a time of uncertainty in this hour. Give them the wings with which they're born and help them to trust always that you will lift them up. Lord, hear our prayer. Amen.